Chapter Twelve, Episode Two of Tartarin of Tarascon. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jeanie Whitfield. Tartarin of Tarascon by Alphonse Daudet. Episode the Second: Among the Turks. Chapter Twelve: The Latest Intelligence from Tarascon. Parting from his little country seat. Sidi Tartri was returning alone on his mule on a fine afternoon, when the sky was blue and the zephyrs warm. His legs were kept wide apart by ample saddle-bags of esparto cloth, swelled out with sidrats and watermelons, lulled by the ring of his large stirrups, and rocking his body to the swing and swaying of the beast. The good fellow was thus traversing an adorable country, with his hands folded on his paunch, three-quarters gone through heat. In a comfortable doze, all at once, on entering the town, a deafening appeal aroused him. Ahoy! What a monster fate is! Anybody takes this for Monsieur Tartarin. On this name and at the jolly southern accent, the Tarasconian lifted his head and perceived, a couple of steps away, the honest tanned visage of Captain Barbassou, master of the Zouave, who was taking his absence at the door of a little coffee house. Hey, Lord, love you, Barbasso," said Tartarin, pulling up his mule. Instead of continuing the dialogue, Barbasso stared at him for a space ere he burst into a peal of such hilarity that Sidi Tartri sat back dumbfounded on his melons. What a stunning turban, my poor Monsieur Tartarin! Is it true what they say of your having turned Turk? How is little Baya? Is she still singing Marco la Bella? Marco la Bella repeated the indignant Tartarin. "I'll have you to know, Captain, that the person you mentioned is an honourable Moorish lady and one who does not know a word of French." "Baya does not know French. What lunatic asylum do you hail from then?" The good Captain broke into still heartier laughter, but seeing the chops of poor Sidi Tartarin fall, he changed his course. Howsoever may happen, it is not the same lass. Let's reckon that I have mixed em up. Still, mark you, Monsieur Tartarin, you will do well, none the less, to distrust Algerian Moors and Montenegrin princes. Tartarin rose in the stirrups, making a wry face. The prince is my friend, Captain. Come, come, don't wax wrathy. Won't you have some bitters to sweeten you? No, haven't you anything to say to the folks at home? Neither. Well, then, a pleasant journey. By the way, mate, I have some good French tobacco upon me, and if you would like to carry away a few pipefuls, you have only to take some. Take it, won't you? It's your beastly Oriental tobaccos that have befogged your brain. Upon this, the captain went back to his absinthe. Whilst the moody Tartarin trotted slowly on the road to his little house, although his great soul refused to credit anything, Barbasso's insinuations had vexed him, and the familiar adjurations and home accents had awakened vague remorse. He found nobody at home. Baya having gone out to the bath, the negress appeared sinister and the dwelling saddening, a prey to inexpressible melancholy. He went and sat down by the fountain to load a pipe with Barbasso's tobacco. It was wrapped up in a piece of the Marseilles semaphore newspaper. On flattening it out, the name of his native place struck his eyes. 
Our Tarascon correspondence writes, The city is in distress. There has been no news for several months from Tartarin the lion slayer, who set off to hunt the great feline tribe in Africa. What can have become of our heroic fellow countrymen? Those hardly dare ask who know, as we do, how hot-headed he was, and what boldness and thirst for adventures were his. Has he, like so many others, been smothered in the sands, or has he fallen under the murderous fangs of one of those monsters of the Atlas Range, of which he had promised the skins to the municipality? What a dreadful state of uncertainty! It is true some Negro traders come to Bouquet Fair, assert having met in the middle of the deserts a European whose description agreed with his. He was proceeding towards Timbuktu. May heaven preserve our Tartaran. When he read this, the son of Tarascon reddened, blanched, and shuddered. All Tarascon appeared unto him. The club, the cat-poppers, Costacaldi's green armchair, and hovering over all like a spread eagle the imposing moustaches of the brave Commandant Bravida. At seeing himself here as he was, cowardly, lolling on a mat, whilst his friends believed him slaughtering wild beasts, Tartaran of Tarascon was ashamed of himself, and could have wept had he not been a hero. Suddenly he leapt up and thundered, The lion! The lion! Down with him! and dashing into the dusty lumber-hole, where mouldered the shelter-tent, the medicine-chest, the potted meats, and the gun-cases, he dragged them out into the middle of the court. Sancho Tartarin was no more. Quixote Tartarin occupied the field of active life. Only the time to inspect his armament and stores, don his harness, get into his heavy boots, scribble a couple of words, to confide Baya to the prince, and slip a few banknotes sprinkled with tears into the envelope. And then the dauntless Tarasconian rolled away in the stagecoach on the Bilda Road, leaving the house to the negress, stupor-stricken before the pipe, the turban, and the babooshes, all the Moslem shell of seedy tawdry, which sprawled piteously under the little white trefoils of the gallery. End of chapter 12 of episode 2. End of episode the second. Recording by Jeannie Whitfield, Mississippi, USA.